0: nature revisited the podcast and thank you for joining me for this episode of nature revisited revisit Yazi the chef food sacred Brian Yazzie also known as Yazzie the chef talks about his path to becoming a chef and the importance of food for self and community Yazi has focused his career on bringing together local indigenous ingredients to help revitalize healthy indigenous cuisine. I do hope you enjoy my conversation with Yazzie the chef. joining us. My name is Stefan Van Norten, and this is Nature Revisited. Food is one of our earliest connections with nature. Food is essential. Food is an expression of culture. Yazzie the chef, who is located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, is one of a number of Native American chefs that are bringing their traditional foods and what they represent to the foreground. I recently had the pleasure of talking with Yazzie about his commitment to food and community. Yazzie and chefs like him are committed advocates for their original food cultures and are using food to help and to heal their communities, and to preserve those cultures. Food connects all of us to nature and to each other. Food is nature. So here then is my conversation with Yazi, the
1: chef. So how
0: are things in Minneapolis right now?
2: um definitely getting cold right now probably like 11 degrees the last day we fed the community was in um wednesday second day being home and as a cooker as a chef you know it's hard to be in one place right so so now being home I'm juggling a couple of projects community projects for back home on my reservation and for the front line in northern minnesota you know, who are fighting for the pipeline
0: how much did nature Play a role in your growing up.
2: Yeah, I am uh, Navajo or Diné. I'm from a small community called Dinahoso, Arizona, and that is located on the northeast part of the Navajo Nation. If you are familiar with Monument Valley, you know the old Western movies with the rock formations and the desert you know, backgrounds. Basically, that is my backyard, you know. So I just my community is south of those rock formations. Currently, I reside in St. Paul, Minnesota with my wife, uh, Hunmana. The landscape is definitely different where I'm from. You know, with the desert area, coming to the Midwest where it's lush, green, food culture the a different landscape. For the um, Southwest area, I grew up with my grandma, who was one of the last elders in my immediate family who were natural or ethnobotanists or foragers, if you may. So coming from that, that line of foragers, I'm always looking at the ground regardless of if, if I'm in urban spaces or in, 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 in outdoor spaces. So it's just something that I grew up with.
0: When did food first kind
2: of become really important to you? Well, for me, I feel like I would say when I was a toddler. The story behind that is one of the large connection between diverse indigenous food culture and so uh, corn, you know, the different types of maize, Navajo it's blue corn. It's our traditional medicine and as a kid growing up, I remember eating this thing called, the traditional dish called blue corn mush. So that's something I grew up on and that was my first, um, I was in my first ever food member, you know, growing up having the frozen corn mush in the freezer during the summer and having the hot, um, hot, hot polenta like um, blue corn mush during the, during the winter days.
0: I read somewhere that someone once told you that you didn't find cooking, cooking found you.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I heard multiple stories from my mom and a couple of elders. When you have a passion, it's not something that you find, it's something that finds you. For for example, you know, I worked a lot of labor jobs, you know, a lot of robust and carpentry, bricklayer, all that type of work. But to me, it was just more of a paycheck, but it wasn't a passion, you know, and becoming a chef, it's, it's a passion that I always had. So it's definitely cooking that found me, and not me finding cooking. Cooking saved my life. I, you know, I grew up in an environment where it was all negativity. You know, growing up without a, without a father figure.
0: So when did you first know that you wanted to be a chef?
2: At the age of seven, I remember. You know, I remember that day, just like it was yesterday. You know, I remember being home. I believe it was a Friday. It was early dismissal. I'm home on campus. You know, you have people, family playing outside. I had the windows open. I remember watching on a gorgoyle, you know, the the classic gorgoyle back in the early, um, the early 1990s, you know, and my mom came home. I remember her coming home from the 12 hour shift. You know, she worked at the dormitory for, for, um, caring for the kids overnight, you know, who are staying, you know, on campus. I remember her coming home, instead of coming home to relax, you know, she went straight into the kitchen. And I remember her wrestling with the pots and pans and you know, and hearing the tapping of the knife on the cutting board and the, the aromatics of of the um, beef stew that she was making. You know, that curiosity brought me into the kitchen one day at the age of seven, and that's how I found the passion for cooking.
0: So what brought you to Minneapolis? And share with us the work that the Minneapolis American Indian Center and you are doing.
2: Yeah, so... I would say 2012, my wife and I moved from Casper, Wyoming. Now I was working with an in-law of mine. I was a rod buster. I was doing labor work, you know, it was winter time. When the winter hit, we were out of a job. You know, instead of going back to the nation, my, my wife and I were looking through different options you know the the lack of unemployment and the lack of education and transportation on the reservation just as it is different rural areas so we were looking for different opportunities and her brother lives um here in Minnesota with his family so off of that connection we're able to move here to Minnesota it's just to start a whole new life you know, a whole new beginning you know and moving here and it, it's been 12 years now definitely a blessing because the indigenous community in the Twin Cities is definitely diverse. So many tribal members from, from different backgrounds. It's a small community, even though it's one of the top five um, most popular Native communities in North America. So moving here, I um, attended St. Paul College Culinary Arts from 2013 to um, 2016, and I received my AES degree in Culinary Arts. While I was in culinary school is when I found my passion for indigenous food. It was my first semester. I was looking at these different cookbooks. It wasn't a school project, it was more of a project between school students. So we're looking for picking a certain dish from one cuisine and trying to perfect that dish. And at the end, you definitely gain some points. So that was the play that we were on. And for me, I love uh, Japanese food. I love certain cooking because it's more outdoor style of cooking. And that's something I like to do, play with the flame when I'm cooking. I was looking at different textbooks and that's how I realized that majority of ingredients that are within these different cuisines across the world have come from the Americas. And realizing that not only have these ingredients survived manifest destiny in their colonization, but so has my ancestors. And so there's resiliency in, in these ingredients that are being shipped across the world. My eye opener of becoming indigenous chef and focusing on indigenous food Well, I was in culinary schools when I met a guy named Sean Sherman, now known as the sous chef. Myself, him, and a couple of people, we started a good team, traveling with him throughout the years and being in culinary school as well. You know, and that's how I came up with the term, cooking in two worlds. Being on campus, working with all types of ingredients, right? And stepping off campus, working with Sean, and working with only ingredients that are indigenous to the Americas. And when I graduated in 2016, with Sean's um, blessing, I was able to um, start my own company, into Tribal Foodways. And to this day, my wife and I travel internationally to different countries. Just you know, just branching off, but with the same concept and mission as we are doing, just focus on indigenous food, bringing awareness to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: is food sacred and
2: why it definitely is regardless human beings plant relatives animal relatives we're all connected through this this cosmology of food sources right we're all in that ecosystem we're all in that recycle of uh, different preparation of meals so looking at it from a human perspective, definitely see that food is medicine, food is sacred. For me, being an indigenous chef and focusing less on the Western perspective and more of a local and indigenous perspective, I look at what was here before European and Spanish Spaniard contact, you know, what was here before then, you know, what was the original strands or the original types of ingredients that we had here from Alaska, Canada to South America. You know, with it being peanuts, different types of chilies, different types of corn, different types of seeds, different types of fish and game going up into Canada, looking at those types of varieties and those types of species and knowing where they come from, knowing of the current status there in this climate change situation going on. So to me, definitely food is sacred. And like I will share with the native youth that I work with, an empty plate or an empty bowl is our canvas, our food is our paint and our utilities and our or are our, our um, utensils. So every plate tells a story, depending on what perspective you're coming from as a, as a chef.
0: How does food connect us to nature? How does it affect the Native American community?
2: For me, to answer this question, I have to take a step back before farm to table. To me, it's knowing your landscape there's, a, there's a couple of indigenous chefs who are using the phrase returning back to your landscape, returning back to your edible landscape, you know, looking at what's around you and so definitely just seeing what was here before and also, you know, cooking with that and cooking in two worlds for sure.
0: And you talk about food as healing. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that?
2: Yeah. So for example, one of the projects that I'm working on is here in the Twin City called Feeding Our Elders under the sponsorship of World Central Kitchen, and we have been running since mid-March, since the beginning of the pandemic, and we've been um, working out of the Gathering's Cafe, which is located inside the Minneapolis American Indian Center. And what we have been doing is implementing at least 50% of Indigenous ingredients within the daily meals that we serve five days a week to the um, urban Indigenous elders in the community. To me, food is medicine, and it's all about serving the the, the fresh and and local ingredients. And if it's not local, you know, it's reaching out to tribal communities who have preserved their ingredients for the season. I don't work with gluten, dairy, or processed sugar, but working with the elders, it's hard to exclude all those automatically because the palates have changed while they were going through these years of trauma of assimilating their taste buds and their, their way of culture one thing that I realized coming out of culinary school and I hit the ground running. When I became the new executive chef at Gary's Cafe, I realized that listening to my elders is accessible within these communities because majority of the tribal communities are still on a third world poverty status. So my work, I had to take a step back and readjust my menu and my philosophy on the type of food that I serve.
0: Why do you think there's been this awareness of the Native American cuisine? And how do you think things are different than let's say 10 years ago?
2: So 10 years ago, it was more of a um, academic perspective. It, It was more of a strategic perspective, meaning there was probably about one or two indigenous chefs 10, 15 years ago who were talking about food sovereignty, who were talking about indigenous cuisine, you know, but majority of those people who were the scholars, were people who were in institutions, universities and colleges, you know, who were just um, verbally talking about th- th- these possibilities, right? And you started having these indigenous cooks and chefs, like myself coming up and started working with these academics, working on these different programs, looking at this from an indigenous perspective, it's something that has always been here, we just have been overlooked. It's just looking at it from a different perspective and saying that we're not a trend, we're not a fab, we are just been overlooked. But now we have people who are actually focused on these type of um, avenues and bringing awareness to the forefront.
0: This new awareness is helping to preserve and, and to enhance the Native American culture?
2: That definitely. The culinary industry itself is a whole different world because you have so many cuisines across the world right if you look at these cuisines at least 40 to 60 percent of ingredients are ingredients that have come from the americas so what are the original cuisines when you exclude ingredients that are coming from the americas you know so that was that one of the basic fundamentals that i had to adjust and learn not to be easily offended but to know the history of indigenous food
0: how is the native american cuisine different
2: you know, the average person in the supermarket on the average day, they don't even know that they're using indigenous ingredients. If you're at a store, you're buying spaghetti, you're making spaghetti and meatballs, right? You have tomato sauce, you have onions, you have, you know, you have different types of herbs, sage, all the stuff they're using. Those are ingredients to not just North America, but the Americas itself. Right now, during this pandemic, I see a lot of the Victory Gardens, or a lot of people who started farms, right? And that's pretty cool to see because that's opening their eyes, but the next generation of culinarians, the next generation of farmers, who are actually looking beyond the grocery shelves and the frozen food aisle and actually looking into the landscape and knowing where the food is coming from. And basically, that is indigenous food. You know, we all each have our own indigenous cuisine, you know, and we all each are doing our own part to help preserve that.
0: What role does ceremony play in both the preparation of food and the consumption of food?
2: Like For me, for my ceremony, I keep it connected with my ancestral food waste, meaning 560-plus tribes in the U.S. There are so many different food cultures, so many different food ceremonies within these different tribal landscapes, right? But when I step into the kitchen, and this is the reason why I have my catering company called into tribal foodways. So when I step in the kitchen, I see the kitchen as this huge mecca of indigenous cuisine, as all the possibilities that you can definitely create in this kitchen. You know, labeling different areas of of the spaces with tribal languages and including tribal equipment and, and tribal utensils for sure. Well, there is a shift that I see now with the Western culinary perspective, meaning coming from the days of like reading books of Anthony Fordane or experiencing it myself being on the line at a young age is having this patriarchal chef throwing pots and pans and yelling in your face because you didn't create this the soup right or you, you didn't you didn't create the sauce right or you no know, you or you didn't saute the, um, the lamb right you know whatever it may be but <laughs> With indigenous culture and with indigenous food, it's the vibe that you put into the food. It's what you serve to the community or to your customers. So that's one thing that I teach in my kitchen is having that balanced attitude, because when we're serving the elders in the community, whatever vibe that you bring to that place is what you serve. When the pandemic hit earlier this year, I had to halt my catering company where I know I travel internationally. And once I did that. And I was home for a couple of weeks of self quarantine. and I was trying to find ways to, to stay active. I wanted to do something more in the community. So, I reached out to a friend of mine who was executive chef at Gadry's Cafe. His name is Ben Shindu. And I asked him if he needs help on the line, if they're doing takeout, you know, whatever it is, you know, I want to help. And he was telling me that him and the uh, director of the building were looking for a team to, to start a project and start feeding the elders. You know, and I told him, I'm definitely able to be one of the leading volunteer members. So that was March 22nd, and that Tuesday, March 24th, is when we started the the project feeding our elders. Right now, we fed over 42,000 meals, and our average is about 150 elders on um, five days a week. <speaking in the language>
0: What is one of your favorite dishes that you like to prepare?
2: Oh man, for me, I would say salmon. I I love salmon, especially the the wild caught. I love uh, smoked salmon, but one thing, something about maple and sage glazed salmon that 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 is just like butter for for me, butter on the bread, right? It's just uh, something that's nice and sweet and savory at the same time, and it definitely has some saltiness to it, and it has some some, some fattiness to it. So, it has kind of like the four elements of the palate when you're eating a nice and beautiful dish maple and sage, glazed salmon with the wild rice pilaf. Salmon is one of my go to protein for sure.
0: What would you hope that we take away from the work that you're doing, the indigenous cuisine?
2: Right now, there's talks about cultural appropriation, right? I'm part of non-profit called i collective and we are a collective of sea you know, keepers uh chefs bakers farmers foragers you know and our focus is on culinary cultural appropriation you know having connection to the landscape and it, it's not about self profit or self recognition you know it, it's about a community that you're serving food is what unites everyone you know it regardless of our skin color regardless of our race when we're at a table we're surrounded by food and that is our community you know that 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 is our unity of love you know but doing it in a perspective way for sure if you're highlighting menus and you have the platform the network and the space to do so as a chef you know i highly recommend bringing on local indigenous cooks or chefs within your region and, and highlighting them, amplifying them, and giving them space to talk about their cuisine. And also giving them space, not just on your menu, but helping the food producers and the tribal hunters and foragers that they're supporting as well. It's not hard to purchase wild rice from a native food vendor. You know, it's not hard to purchase wild caught salmon or fresh killed you know, wild game, but supporting the hunter and telling that story of the dish, you know, while not make it cultural appropriation to a certain point.
0: So how can people who do like to cook, who may not be really familiar with the Native American cuisine, how can they incorporate some of your ideas? Do you have a website where people can come and, and learn more about the work you're doing?
2: No, what I highly recommend is if you're interested in Indigenous food, you know, start with the land that you're standing on. Start with the land that your house is on. You know, start with the land that your business is on. And looking into that local tribe, finding out if they have food vendors, they have wild game vendors, they have these types of ingredients. You know, I would definitely recommend reaching out to these individuals or to, or to these tribes and so supporting their enterprise and supporting their businesses. For me, I have a YouTube channel called Yazi the Chef TV. It's a place and space where I share Native American inspired, easy-made recipes. The recipes can be created from five to 15 minutes. So my my next venture is creating a podcast as well called the Yaws Podcast. And it's just focused on the, you know, the everyday current event on indigenous food, on indigenous issues. You know, but besides that you know, I definitely recommend reaching out to your local cooks and chefs and your local um, seed keepers and farmers to definitely have the information that is needed if you are and willing to support indigenous cuisine and indigenous food movement for sure.
0: I was reading one of your Instagrams just recently. You talked about how our ancestral ties can help bring us all together as a larger community. and a lot of the Native American social media there's a lot of anger and rightfully so do you find or do you feel that there is a future for all of us to come together
2: definitely i definitely believe that some of the work that i display is bringing awareness to the negative perspective of indigenous history right these oral and these historical histories that are true has never really been shared in institutions like grade school, boarding school, colleges and universities. Food reunites all of us. I have a chef friend of mine who's from the Hmong culture and I grew up with him. We realized how very similar our food culture is and our actual tribal culture with my Navajo people and with his Hmong, Hmong culture. From my perspective, that is sharing these beautiful dishes and telling the resilient stories behind these different dishes that I create and that I bring forward to customers and, and to clients. So to me, that's resiliency on the plate. To me, that is the positive part of overcoming the historical trauma that we have definitely been through. You know, because like I said, we all come from a certain place in time. So that's one thing that I try to look at when I'm focused on indigenous food and when I travel or when I share um, stories and do presentations. I try and bring up front more the positive perspective of indigenous food rather than focusing more on the the genocide or the, the negative historical trauma of it.
0: One of the things my podcast is trying to do is to share with people who may not know you, is to share this connection to nature and how important that connection is. What would you like to share with my, my listeners?
2: Yeah, for, for me, you know, I, I come from a background of a negative environment, regardless of race, regardless of gender, getting shot at, getting stabbed at, going through four different high schools and going through different juvenile detention centers and county jails. I'm blessed that I'm not moving on to the spirit world I'm locked up for life. For me, coming from a place like that. I found that food is healing, that food is my medicine. Food is my way of comforting my soul, my spirit. You know, so whenever I have a little bit of a downfall or when I'm having an off day, when I'm at that, time and place i like to take a step out and just take a walk down down the street walking on the concrete jungle or or taking the path off the concrete and just walking to a narrow path and just looking at what's in season right now and just looking at the beautiful color of the landscape that is my perspective when you're not feeling like yourself and not feeling a hundred percent you'll definitely just take a little walk outside It may be cold you know but it's definitely healing that that cold that wakes you up and just seeing the, the lush greens are Popping out of the snow for
0: sure. Any final thoughts?
2: Yeah, next time you sit down with your family, just have a small conversation. As parents, as guardians, as grandparents, as older siblings, you know, have a conversation with, with the younger kids and talk about, you know, the landscape you're on, and talk about, you know, the original history of the landscape that you're sitting on. And just to share that small story, with the child or with the children will definitely change their perspective for a better tomorrow.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode with Yazi the Chef and that if you would like to learn more visit his website YazzyTheChef.com or follow him on Instagram. If you are new to Nature Revisited I hope you will check out some of the other wonderful episodes that we feature. And I hope you will share Nature Revisited with friends, family, and colleagues. And subscribe to Nature Revisited on your favorite podcast server. You can also follow us on Instagram, YouTube, or our website, NordenProductions.com. That's Norden, N-O-O-R. DEN Productions.com. If you would like to share your thoughts or comments, please send them to us through our website contact page and we will share them on our Instagram page. Nature Revisited is produced by Stefan Van Orden and Charles Gagan. And I hope you will join us for the next edition of Nature Revisited. And in the meantime, remember, we are.
1: Nature. <laughs>